Welcome to the Tybee Marine Science Center podcast, an authentic coastal experience. I'm Dee Daniels with Chantal Odran at Tybee Marine Science Center. Um, Chantal, we're very excited about this upcoming episode. We have uh, Sarah and Rachel that will be joining us. Give us a little sneak peek as to what this is going to be about. It is the most exciting part of the year when we get to release our sea turtle. It is the culmination of all of our hard work throughout the three years that this resident is living with us to get to see them do what they do naturally and get back into the ocean. Ike's release is September 23rd. 23rd. We are releasing Ike, our resident sea turtle, our marine debris ambassador, back into the Atlantic Ocean so that he can do all his turtle things and, and live long and prosper and to hopefully contribute to the population growing. And so it is a, a moment of happiness. It is always tears of joy when we see them go out. We like to think we're really tough and we're not going to have an emotional response to this animal that we've cared for for the past three years. But it does. It gets you in the heart and in the feels because you know that it was because of you that this animal has survived the last three years. It was the hard work of our curators that got it to this point. All the calcium and all the awesome sea turtle gel diet that we feed them. We're often feeding our animals better than ourselves, unfortunately. And so it is our pride to be able to get that animal out into the ocean and to finish our mission. I'm excited to talk to Sarah and Rachel about the carrying process and what that looks like. I also want to bring up um, some of these amazing signs and uh, well wishes uh, for Ike that I think is just just, I don't know. It's so great. It's, I love it. It's awesome. Last weekend was Ike's third birthday. We always release around that third birthday. And so what we did last weekend to celebrate is we put a bunch of good luck posters out on the table for all of our guests to be able to sign. And so, um, they're great messages like keep swimming, be safe. Um, don't get eaten by a shark. (laughs) You rock. Hashtag slay. (laughs) Um, it's awesome because again, like we've mentioned, meeting an individual within the population allows you to care. Meeting Ike, meeting Westy allow you to know an individual and and care for the loggerhead sea turtle population to continue to thrive. Well, we're excited to have this conversation. Sarah Alley and Rachel Cantrell, curators here at Tybee Marine Science Center, And wow, what an amazing time this must be for you guys. I I would imagine you're excited and having all the emotions. Tell everybody why this is such an important time. Yeah, Um, it's super bittersweet, right? We're excited for our turtle that we've been hanging out with, raising for a while uh, to go back out in the ocean. But it is a little sad because you're losing that, um, not like companion, but like that you know, animal you've been hanging out with watching grow. Um, and so we, we get the turtles as stragglers when they're about, you know, Ike was 14 grams, super tiny. And now Ike's 50 pounds. So, uh, you watch them grow and kind of learn their attitudes and their behaviors and their character. Um, so it's super exciting, but also sad to see Ike go, but we're, I think 
you know, you want them to do the best they can, right? It's a big graduation out into the ocean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> try not to try not to say that we're attached or like yeah. anthropomorphize them at all. But deep down, you're like, oh, right. there goes the baby. But you're right. so excited because they, they get to go so back fast. and exactly they grow up so fast. I told my mom one day, I was like, now I know how you feel, <laughs> and she was like, shut up. <laughs> so, but it's it's so exciting, and it's really funny to look back at like the baby photos of Ike. And even not even just baby, just one year old mm-hmm. and how tiny he was. And I was like, oh, he's massive now. He's mm-hmm. such a big boy. But you don't see that growth um, in real time. Like as you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I didn't really notice. But then once you're looking at those photos, you're like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. he was a potato chip. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's like a huge, huge baby sack so. of potatoes at this point. Let's give everybody a little bit of like the uh, how I got to be here and and what that's all about and and why Ike is here and why Ike is so uh, such an educational tool yeah. um, that that beginning process and how we've gotten to where we are on almost graduation day yeah uh, so we get our stragglers off the beach so a straggler is one that is left behind in the nest so they got left behind by all their brothers and sisters when that nest boiled out altogether and we go five days after the boil. And so that gives them every chance possible to get out naturally because we try to have as little inter- human interference as possible, especially on Tybee. And um, so we'll go out five days after the nest and we do an inventory. So we're counting how many eggs hatched, how many didn't, and it gives you a success rate. And so when we're looking at those nests, sometimes there's little guys left behind. Uh, and so we'll take one per season uh, to bring back with us and raise them to be three years old. And then the rest, they'll go out into the ocean on their own and they'll usually have to stay we try to make sure there's enough in the nest so that it's strength in numbers going back out and just bring one in so pretty exciting and then they stay until they're three years old make it nice and big and chunky and once they're nice and big they have a much better chance out in the wild because really once they're that big their main predators are going to be sharks and humans so and that's important too to talk about since they are marine debris ambassadors, we talk about how marine debris impacts these sea turtles out in the wild. I mean, jellyfish and plastic bags. I got confused by a jellyfish versus plastic bag just the other day, and I'm a human, so you can't even imagine what they would think. Right. So it's important to instill those, um, those values into especially children, because as they're growing up, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that as they grow and just have that whole new generation coming up. Don't you think, too, that it's, you know, so important, um, you know, when when people are thinking about, oh, that's so cute and they're a little teeny tiny baby turtle. Maybe I, I can take one home and take care of them. The caring process is very serious and there's a lot to it. Walk us through a little bit. Of yeah, that. absolutely. So um, sea turtles are federally protected. So while they are super cute and you want to pick them up when they're little babies, uh, you can get fined up to $10,000 uh, just for touching a sea turtle, even if it was a, a body part of a sea turtle left on the beach. Um, and so while it looks fun and easy to pick one up, the care is very serious. So we have a lot of rules we follow, um, not only from the state of Georgia, but from you know the federal government. <laughs> so there's lots of rules about what lighting they can have, what they cannot have, what they can eat, what they can't eat, um, what they can have in their tank, what they can't have. And we want to keep it as natural as we can, too. So you don't want a ton of human interference. We're not hand feeding Ike or Westie. Um, we, we try to you know stimulate their brains with live food and things like that. 
Um, reptiles rely a lot on special UV light and heat light or heat bulbs. Um, and without those things, they can't grow properly, especially turtles. They rely on um, a heavy source of calcium to build that shell and those carrots and scoops on their shell. Um, so it's a, it's a big deal. It's not an easy thing, especially when they're little. Um, they're super cute and pretty fragile when they're little, especially when they're stragglers because they've been stuck in the nest for so long that, that all that, um, you know, energy that they were saving to swim out to the ocean has gone. So when we get them in when they're fresh hatched, it can be hit and miss, right? So it's nerve wracking when we first have, you know, Westy in here. The first thing we do every morning was like, come back and be like, hey, Westy, how you doing? Like, <laughs> you swimming around using all four flippers. And even with Ike, I mean, you know, 50 pounds is a large turtle, but they grow to be, you know, sometimes up to 300. Um, so we still, you know, check on Ike as if he's still a baby. Um, and he, he still is to us, I think, a baby because we've watched him grow. Um, so it's a big deal. It's not something easy. And that goes for all reptiles in general, but sea turtles especially because they are federally protected. Right, no yeah. doubt. And, you know, it's funny because we often hear, and, and we were talking about it on our first episode, but often hear the size of the baby, mm-hmm. you know, compared to like a Pringles chip. Yeah. And, and really, you know, I didn't realize until you were talking about this, that they're also as fragile. Yeah. I mean, you have to think they're born knowing exactly what to do. Right. So they do have some, you know, they are, they are pretty strong. They have to swim all the way out to the Sargasso Sea, which is way off on the Atlantic coast. Um, so it takes a lot for them to get there, but in, compared to, you know, a human or a bird or crab or even ants, I mean, they're pretty weak at that size. Um, so it can be nerve wracking if you have a toy that they can chew off too easily in their tank, then you have to worry about them ingesting that and right. um, things like that. So it's, it's a constant worry I would say having some anxiety at the job is good because you're constantly thinking like well if, if I was a turtle like I would do this so you have to think on their level you have to think oh that zip tie is perfectly right there for them to bite and they have a strong bite force uh, so they can crunch through pretty much anything especially once they're large so it's something you have to think about so you all were talking a little bit about uh, some of the, the body parts of a, of a sea turtle and explain some of that because you were talking about like the top and the, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm forgetting the word you just used, but the little yeah. scoops. Yeah, the scoops. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Talk about the anatomy. Yeah. So the, the top shell is what people would talk, normally think of the shell. That's going to be your carapace. And so that's your top part. And all those little sections that you see on a sea turtle, usually if someone's drawing, it looks like a soccer ball. So those little, those little sections are, they're scoops. And so um, those scoots, especially on loggerheads, they have five down the side, not including the top or the bottom. Uh, and that's also true for Kemp's Ridleys, which is another sea turtle we get in the area. Uh, they just don't really nest on our beaches. Um, then other sea turtles, such as the hawksbill and the green, will have four down the sides, not including the top or the bottom. And so that's really interesting because that's one way you can identify a turtle just based on the shell alone or the carapace. And then the bottom part is going to be their plastron. Um, And so those are modified ribs, essentially, uh, in that belly area. And also in the carapaces, their spines. Their spine runs all the way through. The turtle can is always attached to a shell. (laughs) People always say, oh, what if the turtle didn't have a shell? I'm like, that's not going to happen. (laughs) I was like, don't even talk about that. So um, so it's always interesting like that. 
um, flippers. Oh, so flippers. you have like your terrestrial uh, terrestrial turtles that have claws. They're modified to kind of go around on land. You have your diamondback terrapins that hang out in the marsh and uh, the water and the mud. So they have claws and webbed feet. But sea turtles just have straight up flippers for that aerodynamic body. So they're able to swim pretty fast. Another turtle is the leatherback. So the oh, difference sure. between them is that they don't have the scoots and that hard shell. They're kind of soft bodied. But so that's how sea turtles are different. They also don't go into their shell. People sometimes think, oh, if they're scared, they hide in that shell. No, they're 100% out all the time. So they're pretty vulnerable. But they do tuck their flippers on back on the back of their shell to kind of mimic the shape of a leaf so they can blend in on top of the water. Especially in their babies. It's really, really adorable with Westy. <laughs> Uh, he'll just sit there and he'll tuck his little head on top of his seaweed and just be floating around like they would out in the wild. Uh, they'd float on top of that sargasso sea, which is a seaweed that has air bubbles in it. So gas, sargasso, and it helps them float. So they'll just hang out on top and they sleep and swim there and just hang out like a little leaf. It's <laughs> adorable. That's a nice little ride. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see leafy. that. Yeah, that's, make, that's making a lot of sense. Um, now, you guys are saying that um, there are five, I believe, right? Um, yes. Species of turtles in coastal Georgia. Yeah, yes. that will visit up and down the east coast uh, in coastal Georgia, um, which is, Rachel said, the loggerhead, the Kim's Ridley, the green sea turtle, the leatherback, and hawksbill. the hawksbill. Yeah, <laughs> the hawksbill. And, and do all of them have the same sort of diet as like Ike does, or how does that work? No, they actually all have um, a pretty variable in their diet. So the leatherback is mainly only going to eat jelly uh, sea jellies which is really interesting because they'll eat their body weight daily in jellies which is so cool because those guys can get up to 2,000 pounds so I always tell kids I'm like oh yeah you didn't get stung by a jelly out there today make sure you thank a leatherback <laughs> uh, and then our so our loggerheads are going to be eating crunchy things they've got those massive heads where they get the name loggerhead for and so they're crunching through things like blue crab horseshoe crab uh, whelk snails that kind of thing and then our Kemp's Ridleys are eating similar stuff to loggerhead, just not at the same magnitude. So they're not eating large crustaceans. They'll be smaller stuff like smaller blue crabs and um, just smaller crabs in general, smaller crustaceans, uh, smaller whelks. Uh, and then our greens, they are going to be eating mostly just greens. So like sea lettuce. Uh, they actually get their name because of how their fat stores. Because of all that green, it makes their skin look almost green, which is pretty cool. And then our hawksbills, they have that specially curved bill like a hawk. All these names are very handy because they <laughs> kind of describe them very easily. Uh, so that hawk, that hawk bill helps them to dig into like coral reefs and eat sponges. So nice. They have a pretty, pretty broad diet they are cool. super smart obviously too because like they know where to go to get what they need right exactly and so when it comes to like the hawk's bill and the shape of its um beak or its bill which is that mouth that also helps us identify turtles because the green sea turtle his beak is really smooth and serrated so it's built that way to rip the seagrass off the floor and then the hawk's bill has his point and um, the loggerhead, which is what, you know, Ike and Westy are, they have that strong, strong bite force and that large head. So they're able to crunch through anything. And then all sea turtles are known to also snack on jellies every now and then too. So that's pretty cool. If we ever catch any out on the beach, um, we're able to toss them in the tank and let them do their thing, which is always cool to see. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ike's had a cannonball and I believe he's also had a moon. Mm -hmm. uh, Westy has not had a jelly yet. So we're waiting. So, 
that's going to be happening soon, hopefully. <laughs> We're very excited about that. Oh, that's great. Bigger snacks on the way. Yeah. <laughs> Enrichment. <laughs> I love that. So this is an interesting time. Talk about the time of, of year right now. You know, I know sea turtle education is, is so huge. And, and certainly at the Tybee Marine Science Center, everyone takes that so seriously about educating everyone on, on what we can do as a community and what we can, how we can help. And, and you know, a lot of it's about the things we don't know. Um, so where are we in, you know, a lot of people heard about nesting season and that sort of thing. Where are we in the season right now? Yeah. And, and what's that look like? Yeah, on um, our coast right here in Georgia, um, nesting season starts in May. And those moms tend to nest through about August. So we're out of nesting season. But because those eggs take 50 to 75 days to hatch, those babies can hatch through October. Um, so we're still in hatching season. We still have some nests out here on Tybee that are still incubating, getting ready to go. Um, and during those times, the biggest thing, especially on a developed island like Tybee, where you can you know, come out here on vacation and walk the beach at night, uh, there are a few ordinances set in place, like, you know, using a light on the beach. Um, sea turtles are pretty cool because they can't see the red hue that we can. So we always recommend using a red light, um, a red flashlight. Or if you don't have one, you can always take a piece of plastic and color it with a Sharpie, tape it on your flashlight on the back of your phone. Um, that way, if there are any babies out there, moms, you're not distracting them. They tend to follow the light of the moon to get back to the ocean. Also, it's just kind of disorienting. When you shine a light in my eyes, it hurts. So I imagine it hurts them too. Uh, so we're still in hatching season. They tend on Tybee, I think, to, you know, we got our last nest probably maybe the first week of August or in the middle of August. So they don't nest here quite as long, but on other undeveloped islands, um, you know, like St. Catharines and Wausau and Ossobal, where there's no humans out there, it's just a wild island. They can nest, I mean, they come up nightly uh, to lay those eggs. So they tend to have a little bit of a longer and a, th a thicker season than us, I'd say, of nest. Um, but that's where we are on Tybee, at least. What would someone look for on the beach just to be aware if they saw you know, it, okay, this looks like it could be uh, maybe, you know, um, where turtles have nested, you know, what, what would that look like? And what should they do if they spot something like that? So on Tybee, for the ones that we already know about, they're going to have a stake on them and it's going to have a number indicating what number nest it is. Usually they'll have a sign, but not all of them have a sign saying loggerhead uh, sea turtle nest, do not touch. And then a metal grate over it. Um, if that if it's a nest that has not been found yet, and you're, let's say you're like the first person out in the morning and you've been dawn patrol out there too, uh, usually what people would see is going to be the tracks of the the mamas as they're crawling up. And they're massive. These are big turtles. They're full grown, and so it's going to it looks almost like giant tire tracks mm -hmm. coming up the beach, and it makes kind of a U shape, and then there's a like a body body pit basically where she was digging, and so. It's kind of messy looking at first. Uh, honestly, you might not know what it is. You're just like, whoa, somebody drove a huge truck out here and just spinning their tires. Uh, but if anytime you see something that looks questionable, you can totally call it in. You can call it in to us at the Marine Science Center. You can call the city, at, um, the code enforcement or the non-emergency, um, any non-emergency line. They can, be, they can definitely forward those messages on to us. Uh, better safe than sorry. If people see something that doesn't look normal, and they're like, hey, maybe this is it, then we can at least check it out. Like, <laughs> let them know if it is or not. So, yeah. 
it, it's it seems like it's such a, a big partnership with everyone really it i mean is. you know talking about like working with the the city of tybee and working with just so many people that you know are helpful in the process the public included um, you know and i know that relationship must be really important yeah absolutely um tybee's special in that it's a pretty small island but there's a lot of people out here all year round we don't really have an off season typically um and so the city, they usually go out first thing. I mean, it's sea turtles. Who doesn't love sea turtles? In my, I mean, everyone yeah, should. Right. Um, so everyone's pretty excited. And um, especially during the season, because, I mean, when people come on vacation, they want to get out to the beach first thing, get a good spot. And so you do have to worry about that human interaction. So without the partnership and without multiple people and our huge volunteer and um, staff, you could have things go unseen um, and you don't want people setting up their beach equipment on top of a freshly laid sea turtle nest or anything like that. Um, And that's part of the thing that we do here is the educating. So some people think it's weird keeping a sea turtle in captivity, but I think the best way to learn about sea turtles, especially as a kid is like meeting one in person, you see it and then you're just like, whoa, that's not just finding Nemo. Like this is in real life. (laughs) And then they have that, you know, you have that emotional connection um, and you learn best that way. Because when I have little kids staring at Westy, I'm like, do you have trash at home? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, do you throw it in the ocean? And they're like, no. And so you have to like really put it like, do you want Westy eating trash? And they're like, no. So when you have that connection, it helps with the education aspect. And I think a, a big part of it is everyone wants the turtles to thrive. So that's having that many helping hands out here and know people knowing what they're looking for and who to contact. Um, and also people sometimes are just uneducated and it's so easy to get angry at people when they think they know what they're talking about or something, but you have to like take a step back and say, they just don't know. Right. Like they didn't do this thing or mess with a turtle, you know, with intentions to be malicious. Maybe they did, but usually they don't. They just are completely unaware. So it's awesome to have people come in and say, I had no idea this was even a thing. Like you have sea turtles, we have snapping turtles. I'm like, well, they're kind of the same, but not really. (laughs) It's so fun. It's just, well, education in general. It's so fun because you never know where people have come from. They might not have ever even seen the ocean. In fact, I had a Girl Scout group one time from Montana and the girls asked me, is the ocean actually salty? And I was just baffled at first because I was like, what? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, their only interaction with water has been fresh water. So this is my chance to educate them on what's going on out here. This is salt water. This is what's different. And they were so excited. I think it was February and they were like, can we please put our head in the water? And I was like, <laughs> sure, pull a plunge badge. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it's awesome. It's really fun just to watch people's eyes get open with the education. And that's the biggest part of the community here is that everybody is involved. I mean, everybody, you go, we go down to the pier and people know who we are. They're like, oh yeah, the Marine Science Center. We'll just be talking to, and they'll be telling people as they're walking up, you should check it out, you should check it out. <laughs> and uh, it's it's awesome. I mean, um, Tybee Police Department, their canine team actually brought Westy a card for his birthday, Aww. signed by their canine, Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> so such just animal. being a part of such an amazing community like this is key to all of it really yeah the community is huge and i know everyone really wants to get behind everything that is going on because like 
you all are like on the front lines right. really. And it's like when you, when you are around people who are doing that work and you just want to say, how can I help? Right. That seems to be such a common uh, question thrown around. And I know a lot of people come in and, and ask those questions, even down to the little kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have seen that just curiosity on a pretty daily basis. Absolutely. Um, I mean, even, I visited the old science center when I was in like an eighth grade on a field trip and was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is my jam. This is what I want to do. And so firsthand, it tells you like seeing that one-on-one is a big thing. And when the little kids are like, what can I do? And it's, sometimes it's not the grand gesture, right? It's not like, Oh, get out here at 6am and walk the beach with us, but it's little things like tell your friends or, realize that your little impacts at home, even if you live up in Atlanta or in a landlocked area, like have a huge effect on the ocean down here in this, um, you know, environment. So we have people always coming in. What can I do? What can I do? Um, and I wish that I could say everyone come help us walk in the morning, but Tybee is not that big of an island (laughs) and we don't have as many hundreds of nests that some islands get because they're wild, but it is great to see their eyes light up and uh, to know that you kind of made that impact. My nephew is always like, you have the coolest job. I'm starting a litter club at my school where we're going to pick up litter after school. And I'm like, you're like 12. Don't you have more fun things to do? But I love it. I love it. It's important. That's amazing. That's amazing. And just, just earlier today, I'm watching a, a three-year-old here at the Science Center just come in and just like the amazement yeah. on her face. And, you know, she saw me for two seconds and, and didn't care about what I was doing <laughs> other than to say to me, look at that beautiful sea turtle. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, that kind of reaction you have to love. Yeah. And, and especially, I mean, it's not even just three-year-olds, it's adults. Oh, I mean, <laughs> we're all pretty much like kids when we come in here. Oh yeah. It brings you back to like those kid-like characteristics, which is great because I think we can both say that we've like led groups where we have a fair amount of kids and adults. And sometimes people are like, oh, do you ever like talk more sophisticated when you're talking to adults. And I'm like, no, dude, like they love it. (laughs) They love when we make the jokes and like we bring it to their level because, or like when your kids get it and they show the enthusiasm and the parents are instantly just like, oh, this is great. So I'm like, I'll talk to mom and dad the same way I'm going to talk to Tommy over here. Cause it just like brings it all together. And then, you know, you hope that the family goes home at the end of the day and like they keep that conversation going. That's the big thing is the communication too, as you don't want to, Like as scientists, we like to use those big and fancy words, but why? I mean, other people aren't going to understand that. And the whole point of education is for everybody to understand. So it's way more fun to talk to you like in a way that you'll understand too, because then we can go back and forth and we can have those in-depth conversations. There's no need for it to be um, fancy Latin phrases all the time. (laughs) I can't even say them. (laughs) Being honest. So it's way, it's just better and you can get that full communication there talk with the kids and the adults and then they can go home like sarah said and they can have that conversation too and then who knows maybe they have friends and they're able to share it and it just keeps going keeps growing absolutely and that's one of the things that we're excited to do with this podcast too is that you know you hear an episode 
And it's so easy to share that with someone and just say, you know, look at the great things going on here in coastal Georgia. And, you know, you you are going to learn something from this episode. It's so easy to text it to a friend or, you know, email it to someone or send it to someone, you know, on social media. So I think that's going to go a long ways. Let's talk a little bit about what we can expect for uh, for the release of Ike and and that whole process besides all of the tears of joy that I know you guys (laughs) are having. Um, sea turtle release. It's very fun. Um, it can get a little stressful though, right? Like you're releasing this animal that is, while he's been in captivity, he's still a wild animal, right? He doesn't know what's going on. So we want to make sure that Ike is comfortable and not stressed. Um, we also want to make sure that everyone's able to enjoy it. If you're here in person or if you tune in live on Facebook, um, but it's, it's real exciting. There's a lot of preparation that comes in. You have to make sure, um, that we have all of the right weights and measurements of Ike and then tagging Ike with those, um, like a microchip and then two little metal clips on his flippers. Um, so that way when we release him, we can know if he were to come back on the beach, know who he is, things like that. Lots of, um, you know, planning who goes where, you know, what staff is going to be in the water, making sure that no other um, guests are rushing in. It's really exciting and emotions run high from everyone, right? Like we want everyone to get that perfect picture, but we also want to make sure Ike makes it out pretty safe and sound and things like that. But we have all kinds of um, signs that people make. So kids bring their own posters that say like, go Ike, you got this, things like that. Um, people bring pictures, things like that. Aww. And it's really exciting. And that's so fun. And and I know that, you know, you've seen those moments on, you know, social media right. where you're like, oh my gosh, yes, it's that moment. And you're rooting and cheering. Mm-hmm. And there's this, this like, you're right. So much emotion. Right. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very cool. Obviously, open to the public to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The date is September 23rd and we're doing it at 8 a.m. right here off the North Beach area, the Center Street parking area. So you just park and I'm sure you'll see everyone out there. We'll have it all roped off. Um, So we're making sure everyone's keeping that safe distance. We'll be on Facebook Live. Uh, The news will be here. So I'm sure we'll have some news stories out Um, and we want everyone to come. And if you can't, that's the big thing. Facebook live, right? We have people visiting from all over during the year. So we want them to be involved because they probably saw Ike when he was a potato chip. He's a sack of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So here's an odd to no silly question. Um, so what about, uh, those who might say now is Ike like a dog or a cat where Ike would want to come back to, you know, you, are you fearful of that at all? No, so the biggest difference is Ike's not a mammal. So he doesn't have that part of his brain that a cat or a dog or even humans would have that is an emotional connection, uh, that like memory bank of like, oh, I want to go back there. He has no idea. Uh, (laughs) Ike's main thoughts are I need to eat, I need to sleep, I need to swim, I need to breathe. (laughs) And that's all they're thinking. They have all those natural instincts ingrained in their DNA. They're not raised by a mother in the wild. Those a hundred or so eggs are laid and then mama says, good luck, you got it. And then she goes off and lays a couple more nests. And so they're just on their own from the time they hatch out, hatch out of that egg. And uh, so I could be totally on his own and he's not going to long for us in any way. Uh, he's not going to want to come back. The only reason Ike would return to the beach uh, would be if Ike turns out to be a female, because we have no idea if Ike is male or female. I just kind of defaulted to male because of the name Ike. Um, <laughs> 
But truthfully, we have no idea if Ike is male or female, and we'll find out in about 30 years, 30-ish years. Um, and if Ike returns to the beach, she turns out to be female and is laying eggs. So that'd be the only reason. Now, a female would return to the beach it was released on? They do re- return to their natal beach uh, within around 10 miles. So Ike might cheat us and go to Hilton Head. We don't no. know. Get South Carolina, those numbers. <laughs> but um, If you see Ike 30 years from now, please call. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, it's going to be roughly the same beach within 10 miles or so. Yeah, so from wherever they hatched. So, yeah. Uh, Westie is from Ossaba Island because we didn't get a straggler from Tybee last season. Um, so releasing Westie will be a little different. Maybe release them closer to Ossaba. But if Westie's a girl, then she'll go back near Ossaba to lay those eggs once she's large and in charge and ready to do so. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, I know a lot of young people are very curious how you guys got this job and and how they can do something so cool like this. So talk a little bit about how you got into this. Yeah. Um, so my whole life, I knew I wanted to work with specifically reptiles. My parents were real cool. We had a reptile room growing up. We would go herping and look for snakes and stuff, me and my dad. Um, so I always knew I wanted to do that. My mom is a teacher, so I always kind of wanted to be a teacher of some sort. Um, so I went to school. I got my associates in science and then um, transferred down here to Armstrong and got my uh, bachelor's in biology, but finished at Georgia Southern and knew I always wanted to be in the field. I love uh, getting all dirty and sweaty outside, getting the bug bites. I did some sea turtle work one summer. It was amazing. Just you know, digging nest all day. The bugs sucked, but it was great. Um, and then visiting the science center when I was younger, I was like, this is pretty great. And that was at the old building. So the new building is a lot different than that. So right. I got real lucky, but I always knew I wanted to do something along those lines, um, working in conservation and, you know, educating because when I was little, that's how I learned about it all. I was like, I want to be the person that teaches the other kids now and teaches the adults. Yeah, mine, uh, I graduated from Flagler College back in 2021 uh, with a degree in coastal environmental science. Uh, So I don't have the like super reptile background that Sarah has, uh, but my big thing was in college, I volunteered for every single project possible. I was out there, I did gopher tortoise work, I was doing squid work, dolphin work, fish. I was just wanting to be out in the field like Sarah. I wanted to be a part of it. My big thing was always like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll jump in. What, what do you want me to do? You want me to stick my hand down in this rattlesnake and look for a gopher tortoise? Okay. <laughs> so that was the biggest thing was that I was always just ready to do anything. So, and that transferred really well when I moved here. So I moved here three days after I graduated college. I knew I wanted to move to Savannah and they happened to be in the process of moving. So there wasn't a whole lot happening here. And um, I just asked if they had any position. I was happy to do literally anything. So I did C camp and C camp taught me how to do all the education and get involved with the kids. And um, after that summer, um, they just started saying, hey, wanna do this? And I just said, yes, yes, I'll keep, I'll do that. I'll learn that tank. I'll do that. I'll feed these gators. Yes, absolutely. So that was the biggest thing was just being flexible with anything and everything and just learning constantly, just being open to learning all these new ideas and learning these new things. Because I don't have a specific biology background like Sarah has. I have an environmental science, so it's very broad. So being here, I've been able to learn more and more in-depth topics like sea turtles, uh, which has been awesome. And it's it's just been so fun. I I love it. It is the place to be. 
I will say a huge thing that we always have uh, kids come in, even like when they're, you know, about to graduate high school. And so their parents will be like, what can she do? Can she follow you on LinkedIn? What did you do? And I think the biggest thing for uh, most people will say in this conservation field or in the animal care field is networking. So a lot of it majority of everything you do is free work. Like, so you're volunteering or you're interning. Um, and it, a lot of people say, does that suck? And I'm like, I mean, kind of, but also it's like fun work. You know what I mean? Like, even when I come here, I'm like, I get paid to do this. I used to volunteer and do this stuff, but now I'm getting paid. And so it's a lot of saying yes to even the things that are hundred percent related to what you want to do. If it's like, I was a vet tech for five years. I love cats and dogs, but it's not what I wanted to do, but it gave me that experience. Like, the medical field and the science background. So it's, it's good to say yes. But if you're like, eh, maybe like just mm-hmm. say yes and network, get your name out there, shake hands, send out emails. Don't worry about sounding silly. Like just I email the, I emailed the state biologist before and been like, Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> what's up? <laughs> so it's just networking in this field. Um, everyone, we're all big nerds, right? We all love what we do. So it's, it's good to, you know, know that you can talk to anyone. So kids, you heard it here. Say yes. We're off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Say yes. Well, Say yes. It's a good thing. To the good thing. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> to, the good thing. <laughs> to the good things. Absolutely. I mean, figure out, you know, if yeah. it's a rattlesnake hole first or yeah. whatever. Yeah, they'll just shut their hands. Yes. <laughs> Say yes to the good things. Absolutely. Um, well, I know you guys get to get to have such joy uh, working with all 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 of the things here in coastal Georgia. I mean, you get to see all of those things that you were hoping to work with and you get to, to really uh, look up close and you've got the right whale coming. Um, oh, you so know, exciting. that's going to be just unbelievable uh, later on this year and uh, whale week and all of that sort of thing that's going on. So, I mean, so many exciting things going on. And, and when it comes to, you know, what people can do, um, do you have one specific thing you'd like to pass on to say, you know, as a, what can we do to help when it comes to, to like Ike or, you know, sea turtle education or whatever in that, in that realm, is there something that sticks really close to your heart that says, please do this? It's hard. Cause there's a lot of things like I could be really specific and say like, don't use plastic or something, but that's easier said than done. I think ask questions. Mm. Um, don't just do things. I've seen people release freshwater turtles into the ocean and I'm like, that's going to kill the turtle. And they don't ask, they don't know. Right. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to research things and look into it because that's a big thing. And don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in when it comes to like all of this stuff. Some people are kind of shy about it or they don't want people to judge them because like they're a weird hippie or something. Right, right. Like, no, I just yeah. care about the environment. Cause all in all, like obviously we care about the animals, but without all of them, like there's no us. So it's mm. kind of a big deal. That's a hard one. Cause there's lots of things, but I think ask questions and, and relay the message. If you come to the science center, you hear something that's crazy. Tell everyone, like tell your friends Want you want them to help the animals too. That's great. That's a great answer. I know your turn. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. So mine was going to be much simpler. I was like, don't use, don't use a bright white light on the beach. Like yeah. I have to think of something way better now. Yeah. <laughs> um, People don't know your fishing line correctly. That's yeah. a good one. That's one I see really all the time on the beach, especially um, very popular beaches like Tybee. 
Um, that people might just leave the fishing line. Right. Yeah, just balled up somewhere. Yeah, and, you might leave it just on the pier. I know all of our piers, our fishing piers have a disposable site for you mm-hmm. to specifically put fishing line in. I think that one's one that gets me the most because I, Sarah and I are both really big into fishing. Um, so we sport fish, but it's one big thing is to do it responsibly. Um, like making sure you have your all, all your gear together. You're not just dropping hooks in the water. You're not leaving line out, right. uh, that kind of thing. So that one's big. That one's really near and dear to my heart. Right. Personally. No, so. and even I've been out fishing before and been seeing people doing things. I'm like, Hey, don't do that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, mm-hmm. please don't do that. And <laughs> honestly, it's nerve wracking, especially as like a female, like, yeah. a, like a short little female. I get kind of scared because we're usually the only women fishing out there most of the time. And so I'm like, Hey, don't do that. And they don't, they don't know. Some people just don't know. I watched somebody literally throw trash into the ocean. And when I said, don't do that. And they say, why? I'm like animals. Eat it. They're like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just those simple things. So you have to, learn to find your voice or find a way to get that message out, I think. But it's important. Yeah. Disposing of trash in all the right ways, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And the final call to action would be to come and see Sarah and Rachel at yeah. the Marine Science Center <laughs> and say hello the next yes. time you come by. Yes. Because if you want um, a, f- a fact attack. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you yeah, can- we got those. <laughs> that goes for anyone here. Like when people are like, sorry, I'm asking so many questions. I'm like, don't say sorry. We love talking. Literally. I love, love talking. talking. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. Come and ask all your questions. Yes, I'm sure we'll talk to you guys again soon yeah. on the podcast. It was so. great. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, uh, Chantal, what a great episode that was uh, talking with Sarah and and Rachel and gosh, they have such heart for not only Ike, but also just for everything going on here. We have big hearts. Um, Ike was a very special resident for us because he came to us in the middle of the pandemic. So 2020 is when I picked up Ike off the beach with our sea turtle coordinator And he came to the Science Center in a very different way than any of our other stragglers. It was quiet. We didn't have thousands of students going in and out of the building. And so when Ike moved to the new Science Center and we opened, he was a bit shy compared to our sea turtle prior, which was Admiral, who was on the news the moment Admiral was found in a garbage can at a hotel room. And so from a very hammy sea turtle, Admiral, to a very shy guy, Ike, Um, It's been fun to be able to raise these animals. Uh, When I was the curator, everyone would ask, what is a curator? What does that mean? And in an aquarium setting, it's who maintains all of the tank systems and who cares for the animals. And it's a very heartful job. It's heart-filled. You are selfless. You're often driving across the causeway and worrying. The anxiety of the job is high but the rewards are also high. And so it was an honor to be in that position for so long. I recently met a little boy and I was saying, you know, I used to take care of the animals and feed them and make sure they were happy and healthy. And he goes, well, now what do you do? And I go, now I take care of the humans. And he goes, your job sounded a lot cooler before. (laughs) And he's right. It's the most fun. And it's an honor for me to hand over the curatorship to such awesome souls like Sarah and Rachel. And Ike is my last baby. I've raised six sea turtles with Allie at the Sea Turtle Center. We're very 
knowing that this is the last baby that we will have first handedly raised. And so we've been jokingly calling ourselves the grandmas for Westie. <laughs> so this must be, yeah, so personal. It's, you know? it's always personal. It's always, uh, it's bittersweet. I'll miss that position, but no better two people could have filled it. And they're so filled with joy and passion and heart and they're selfless and um, it's going to make us go even further. So I'm proud for the end of an era and to be passing on the baton and getting to see Ike get back into the ocean. And so I'm proud to become a grandma. Well, that's sweet, Grandma. Or Nanny, do you, I don't know if yeah, you're Nana you Mimi, or Mimi, whatever. Okay. <laughs> that's so All sweet. All of the above. <laughs> that's so sweet. I know that Ike's going to get such a send-off. Um with nothing but love all the way behind it. Such love and support. We have people coming from the Midwest. We've gotten calls from all over the Southeast and the Midwest. When is Ike getting released so that they can make their travel plans? So what a special turtle to be able to um, make that connection and and uh, create such a love for a population. No doubt. Saturday, September 23rd. You got it. That's the time. Right and early, 8 a.m. So if you're making your reservations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get it done. From the beach to the marsh, from the ocean to the rivers and creeks, from the islands to the mainland to the classroom, this is your authentic coastal experience with Tybee Marine Science Center. We provide year-round programs for visitors, residents, and learners of all ages. You'll find us on Tybee Island at North Beach, beachside of Fort Screven. Join us in developing caring and responsible protection of coastal Georgia's natural resources. You can help us today by becoming a member. Your membership support helps fund conservation programs and assist with program fees for low-income groups. Visit TybeeMarineScience.org to learn more about becoming a member. Our volunteer opportunities are there and all of the cool merch available in our discovery shop. Thank you for sharing this episode with another curious learner. Grab your membership at TybeeMarineScience.org and follow us on social. Together through education and conservation, we can make a difference. <laughs>